Here's what we all know. And you don't have to be someone who believes everything you've heard about Jesus and the Bible to know this, that you and I are emotional beings. And the state of our emotional maturity matters tremendously. The problem is that many of us fail to see the deep reality of our emotional health because for the most part, we see ourselves as human doings, not human beings. We are busy measuring ourselves by our doings, mostly in part because we get paid for doing. I mean, I don't know about you, but I haven't received a paycheck for being a, a person of uh, emotional maturity, right? <laughs> and here's the thing. When we're busy, it's easy to be led by the carrot of tasks, deadlines, and accomplishments. But humans, like icebergs, have many deep layers below the surface. It's often very hard to see the reality of our emotional health unless we look intentionally beneath the surface of our lives. For most of us, there are forces and, and really motivations affecting us that, that we, we are entirely unaware of and, and have never even considered. And busyness, busyness has the potential to promote a, a lack of self-awareness of the unseen portions of the iceberg that is our life that are most likely to cause us to shipwreck. There are, however, moments in our lives when what's uh, beneath the surface gets revealed. And whether you're someone who works an essential job or maybe you're someone who has faced unemployment in this time of quarantine, one thing that we all share in common is a less busier pace of life. Now, <clears throat> couple that reality with an increased amount of time to either be isolated with their own thoughts and emotion or feeling like we're locked up with people who seem to draw out of us with like surgical precision thoughts and emotions we never thought existed. All of a sudden, we find ourselves being placed in an environment that reveals a lot about our emotional health. And here's the interesting thing. I, it's what I know and it's what you know. <clears throat> Whenever something comes out of us that we don't like, here's what happens. We point to people, we point to circumstances outside of us and we say, it's, it's not my fault. I, I, I'm not really like that. <laughs> the truth is that everything coming out of you is coming from you because it was already inside of you. Now, for those of us who've chosen to increasingly learn to submit all of life to Jesus as master and savior, we understand that the scripture teaches that spiritual maturity is a deep, continual work of God in our lives, day after day after day, to make us more like Jesus. And that the clearest evidence of spiritual maturity is, in fact, emotional maturity. And if we want to grow in, in spiritual maturity, listen, there has to be some work done in becoming aware of the state of our emotional maturity. A few years ago, a friend of mine and person uh, we, the Santillan family, called our pastor, came to one of our gatherings to speak on this subject, and here's what he had to say. Spiritual maturity requires these two things. And the two things that I want you to think about engaging as you go through this series. One, I need to look below the waterline, as scary as that is. 
I need to do that. Why? Because if I only look at what's above the waterline, if I only look at the externals, I may actually change my behavior without ever changing my character in my heart. Secondly, I need to let Christ touch and transform this place. Sometimes the transformation is, Russ, I've made you this way. I've gifted you with this gift. You cannot hide it. I've created you to take risks and to move in this direction. This is what I want you to do. This is how I made you. Don't hide it because of the approval of others. Don't hide it because of the risk of failure. This is a good thing. Sometimes the transforming work of God is about courage. Sometimes the transforming work of God is about correction. I may have had patterns that I grew up with. I may have fallen into habits and acquired hurts and hang-ups that God wants to bring conviction in my life to get me over those, to heal those. But here's an interesting thing. When you and I are pursuing Christian maturity, the Spirit of God brings conviction, but never condemnation. Why? Because Romans 8 says, you and I are in Christ, and in Christ there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. In an attempt to help his disciples understand why people act the way they do, Jesus tells them this. In Luke chapter 6, it says this, A good tree doesn't produce bad fruit. On the other hand, a bad tree doesn't produce good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. Figs aren't gathered from thorn bushes or grapes picked from a bramble bush. A good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. Let me ask you a question. If you were to grade your emotional health right now, what kind of grade would you give yourself? It's a fair question. What grade would you give yourself? Or let me put it like this. If I was to ask your wife or your kids, what has it been like to live with you these past several weeks? And they were honest. (laughs) What would they say? And, uh, Are you okay with that answer? If not, the solution for your lack of emotional maturity is not, I can't wait until things get back to normal. Because emotional health requires that we surrender to the difficult downward journey of becoming more and more aware of what is beneath the surface of our lives. In his book entitled Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, pastor and author Pete Scazzaro, he actually writes this. He says this, Christian spirituality without an integration of emotional health can be deadly to yourself, your relationship with God, and the people around you. 
In other words, there is no such thing as a spiritually mature person who at the same time embodies emotional immaturity. But how do you begin the journey of finding out the hidden areas of your life that harbor emotional immaturity? Well, I invited Danielle this past week to help explore some practical ways we can begin pursuing emotional and spiritual maturity. Many of you who call Clarity home are familiar with her already because she is a part of Clarity Church. And listen, because of her knowledge and experience in helping people learn to pursue spiritual maturity through the tools of self-awareness, I wanted her to share some things that um, honestly have helped our own family grow in our pursuit of emotionally healthy spirituality. So check out that interview. Good afternoon, Danielle. Good afternoon. This weekend, we are talking about some of the lessons we're learning about our spiritual, emotional health. I've heard say, some people say things like, quarantine has made me. Right. Um, but when we think about emotional, healthy spirituality, we realize that the things that come out are the things that are already there. Yeah. And so how do we deal with some of the things that we have realized are there that we want ultimately as followers of Jesus, God to transform and what kind of pathway should we take to begin allowing the gospel and God's grace to transform our lives. One thing I would say is, you know, self-awareness is a key indicator of success. I mean, they've done studies on it. So understanding like who you are, how you show up, how you interact, what gets in your way is really important regardless of what you use. So what I like to say around the Enneagram is that's that's a tool to do that. Uh, if you don't like the Enneagram, you don't have to use the Enneagram, but you need to find something, a way of being more self-aware of how you show up, how, um, what is God's version of you, like the true self. I think that of understanding why you do what you do and why you think, feel, and act the way you do can have huge benefits on understanding yourself and the, Self-discovery is not the goal. It is transformation, but to get to transformation. And so I think the Enneagram is where you start. If you're just starting to learn, then that's the self-awareness piece. It's the information about kind of how you're wired if you resonate with those types. If you don't, it's okay. And then the transformation piece is letting that work on on you, right? And to say, how do I need to become more like Jesus? How do I become less of a reactor, more of a responder, challenge my thinking, all of those things. You know, as you talk about this, uh, the Enneagram and getting to know yourself and how you hear, I hear this phrase all the time, others, how others, how you affect others, how others see you. How important do you think it is for anyone who is interested in growing in self-awareness in the pursuit of emotional, spiritual maturity? How important do you think it is that Others are involved in this process. In other words, can someone take the journey of self-awareness by themselves? Oh, that's a, that's a really great question. I, I think you can take it by yourself, but you only get so far. Mm. And um, so I'm a big believer in community. And I think that one of the guys I follow for the Enneagram, he talks about this whole idea of growing within the Enneagram is all about practice. Right? So you need a place to practice. Um, each type has like a, a holy idea that they are moving toward 
and they call it integration. So instead of just reacting in your, like the core base of your type, which is really your false self, according to Ephesians 4, you integrate to toward um, kind of a holier idea of ways you're more like God. Well, that takes practice and you can only practice in community. I mean, I think part of that is, you know, you can practice some on your own, but you will only get so far because you have a limited perspective <laughs> on how your, your behaviors, your thoughts, your feelings are um, actually interacting with others and um, impacting others. So I think it's so helpful to be in community and to have truth tellers in your life who will tell you, Hey, you maybe overreacted. <laughs> maybe you need to, pro I mean, each one has, each type has a, a thing that they don't process or suppress. Like one of mine, my types is feelings. And so, you know, help, having helpful truth tellers that tell me you're thinking about your feelings, not you're not processing them. So that's one thing you need to go do right now. So I think community is so important. And, and that's the main goal of the Enneagram is, um, for you to grow personally and emotionally and spiritually, right? But the other, the next goal is compassion and relationships and understanding other people. So I think that that's twofold and you practice that in community. So I don't want people to miss out on that last thing you said. So uh, we want to be emotionally healthy, spiritually. We want to be more like Jesus. If we want to say it with less words, because Jesus is the example of that. Yeah. But Jesus wasn't just about being perfect. He died for people. Yeah. And so that idea of having compassion for others. Tell me how, in your own mindset, how does growing in spiritual, uh, emotional health set you up to actually be better for the people yeah. you care about in your life? Yeah. Um, I, I don't, um, I'm trying to think what I want to say because part of it is my own story, is I knew that I was not really present um, before I kind of discovered this, but also just spiritually growing. Like I moved here to come to seminary. I was not emotionally healthy and that stunted my spiritual growth. I knew all the Bible verses. I was in seminary, but I really didn't know, understand how to interact with people and how to actually self-direct my own emotional, spiritual growth. And so becoming more self-aware of yourself can help you move toward that spiritual um, growth, but also like being self-directed a little bit more and then showing up for other people, I think is so important. Also bringing what we do great for God's kingdom to the table and to relationships, that is life-changing. And so understanding kind of who you are and your strengths, but also when you can overdo them, that's game-changing for anyone, any relationship, any, you know, um, as we talk at Clarity Life on Mission, that's all game-changing. So understanding that and understanding how we, we interact is so important. What are some things that people need to be aware of yeah. if they want to use something like the Enneagram? Yeah. Uh, what's, what's the, what are some things they need to be aware of? Maybe some should-dos, not should-dos. Yeah, so should-dos, um, one, use it for yourself. <laughs> And uh, two, be patient. I think as Americans, we want to take a test and find our number. Tests are not super accurate. They can be 60 to 70% accurate. So part of it is a self-discovery journey and to give yourself space and time to try on the different types, try on what it could look like if you're interested in it. 
Um, so not do's, right? Don't guess what other people are and tell them um, you're, rip, you're robbing them of their own self-discovery journey, which is part of the process. Uh, also, don't make an excuse for your type and say, well, I can't help this. I'm a type three. I always do this. And then um, don't use it as a weapon. So don't go up to Phil and go, well, that's such a type seven thing to do. <laughs> I'm also guilty of that. But <laughs> But don't do that. I feel like that really turns people off to the Enneagram as a tool. The Enneagram is great. It's been a great tool for me, but my faith and the Bible trump that. And so understanding God's truth trumps the Enneagram. And honestly, sometimes self-awareness comes with um, experience, life experience. So if you're still struggling with it, it's okay um, just to, to allow life to kind of help you uh, observe the, your patterns of behavior. Um, I know like if I had tried to do this when I was younger, I would never have been able to figure it out. I would have been lost still. So um, it's been helpful to have that hindsight for me. But Well, thank you for your time. And as I usually say uh, at the end of our gatherings, a lot of times I'll pray this, you know, I, I hope that for all of us, we not only gain the wisdom we need to, yep. you know, align ourselves with the gospel and who God proclaims us to be that, but that we would have the courage mm -hmm. to actually do what God asks us to do. So that's, that's uh, hopefully uh, what we'll encourage everyone to do. And so anyways, thanks for your time. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Ephesians four seventeen to 24 says this, therefore I say this and testify in the Lord. You should no longer walk as the Gentiles do in their futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding, understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. Here's a part, listen to this. But that is not how you came to know Christ. Assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus to take off your former way of life as the truth is. Um, so to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on listen to this, the what? new self, or you could say the true self, the one created according to God's likeness and the righteousness and purity of the truth. So based on this passage of scripture, we understand that Christian maturity entails putting off the old self and putting on the new self. The question is then, how do we do this? Well, Scripture is pretty clear. Romans 12, 2 says this. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. <clears throat> Putting off the old self is an active commitment and an intentional decision to become more self-aware about the reality of our emotional health so, so that we can begin breaking free from the people and the experiences in our past that, that really tempt us to 
really form our sense of identity and meaning from anything other than what God wants of us. And, and really, he has created us to be. But listen, you can't begin this journey towards emotional maturity unless you confront what it is that you need to turn from. So for you, maybe you need to engage in something like the Enneagram to grow in self-awareness. Or maybe the Enneagram isn't for you. Maybe you're looking for something different. Maybe for you, you need to ask three to five people you trust that know the real you to answer this question. And this is a hard question, but if you want to be emotionally mature, <laughs> this is a good question to ask. What is it like to be me on the other side of an unhealthy me? What is it like to be me on the other side of an unhealthy me? And listen, while you can start the change by yourself, as Danielle said in, in our interview, here is, here's the key thing. You'll never really find the kind of growth that you're looking for emotionally and spiritually outside of community. Because without a community, you will fail to increasingly look more and more like Jesus, and you will fail to grow in exercising the fruits of the Spirit that define the life of Jesus. We talked about this last week, which is what? The fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And so... The challenge for all of us is this, to find a gospel-centered community of people that you will allow to access and influence your life, even, even, even when you don't like what you may learn. And that is the key. Here's the thing. Life will give us all a start over. It's coming. The question is, do you just want to start over where you left off or do you want to start over well? The choice is yours.